Praise God. Aren't you glad that Jesus came after us? Amen. Found us and set our lives free. And uh, I'm certainly very, very grateful for his goodness, for his loving kindness, and for his faithfulness. And it's my joy uh, this morning to share uh, the Word of God with you. I've been given a freebie today, which uh, means I could preach on anything I wanted. And I had something uh, really all set and prepared at the beginning of the week, and then this week happened. So I, I felt a nudge of the Lord to shift my message, and I sat on it all week because I was really excited about what I was originally going to preach with you about. Do you know how you have that wrestle where, no, I really want to preach on this, but it feels like the Holy Spirit was nudging me towards something else. And so I sat on it all week, and, uh, and so uh, I wrote something new just yesterday. Uh, I felt that this was what the Lord wanted me to share with you. And so hopefully it will encourage us in the context of the moment we are in. So if you've got a Bible with you and you want to follow the reading that I'm going to read to you, it's found in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. It's a pretty short reading and you'll be able to catch the gist of it as I read it to you. Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, these amazing words written uh, many, many hundreds of years ago, but seem to have a relevance to us today uh, in the 21st century. And it says this, verse 1, Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. So this is Isaiah speaking now. He says, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atone for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Amazing, amazing words. My goodness, last weekend we had Boris Johnson as our prime minister and Queen Elizabeth II as our queen. By the end of the week, we now have Liz, Liz Truss as our prime minister and Charles III, need to get used to that, Charles III as our king. It's been an unprecedented week and I'm not sure uh, we will ever live through a week like that again where in one week we've had a new prime minister appointed and a new monarch installed. 
I don't know how often that's happened in British history, but I would suspect not very often, if at all. What an incredible week it has been, a week of change, a week of reflection. And if you were born after the 6th of February, 1952, then Queen Elizabeth II is the only queen you've ever known. Now, whether you like queens and kings and you're a monarchist or not, a royalist or not, doesn't really matter. It's been part and parcel, and she has been part and parcel of our world. And, and this week, the turbulent change in our society of a change of not only prime minister, but a change of monarch, only adds to the sense that our world really is changing. We're living in very turbulent times. We have a war raging in Europe, which it seems many of us have almost forgotten about in the context of what's going on there. We've got still a pandemic that is moving across the earth, even though, again, we all seem to be moving on and the news cycle seems to be moving on on that one as well. We've got a cost of living emergency uh, and, and the, the, the understanding, it seems, in British society, at least for the foreseeable future, that things are going to get worse before they sort of get better. And yet, and yet, and yet, here we are. In the midst of all of that change and all of that turbulence, we are here. And what is our response to that? Now, it's easy to sort of uh, just stand here in the 21st century and, and think of our own unique circumstance. But what I love about the Bible, even though it's written thousands of years ago, so often there are moments in the Bible which correlate to our moments in our history. And I don't know how that works. It's just an incredible thing. And as I was reflecting this week on the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, as I was reflecting on the change of government that is taking place before us, my heart was drawn towards Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, Isaiah, if you're not sure who Isaiah is, he's a pretty important prophet in the Old Testament. His name literally means the Lord saves. If ever a man was well named, it was Isaiah. His book is one of the biggest in the Old Testament. And in fact, he's Jesus's favorite prophet. Jesus quotes Isaiah as a prophet more than any other prophet in his teaching. Isaiah's book is amazing. It's immense. 66 chapters long. And it's a, it's a prophetic statement spanning the life of four kings. Four kings. Uzziah, uh, uh, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And, and we meet Isaiah at the death of Uzziah. Now, Uzziah reigned for about 52 years, not quite as long as Queen Elizabeth II, but 52 years. And on the whole, he was a pretty good king. He became king at 16. He was God-fearing. By and large, he followed the laws of God, had a bit of a stumble towards the end. But actually, under his reign, Judah and Jerusalem experienced prosperity, the likes of which they had not experienced since the death of King Solomon over 160 years before. He was a pretty good king. Life was good under Uzziah. Life was comfortable and secure. And suddenly now, everything has changed. And it was the death of Uzziah that now triggers a life-changing experience for Isaiah. So even though Isaiah is already a prophet up to this point, he's already been talking to us for five chapters, chapter six is a life 
changing experience for Isaiah. And here's what we discover sometimes, and the Bible helps us with this. It's sometimes it is through a moment of crisis that we are provided with an opportunity for change. Now, we don't like that so much. We would, we would love to just be able to change without the crisis, right? We would like to have the blessing without the crisis. But you'll see this principle over and over again in the Bible, whether you're been a Christian a long time, or maybe you're relatively new to faith, or maybe you're just even visiting today, and you don't have a faith in Jesus Christ. There's this principle that keeps popping over and over again, that moments of crisis... Moments of difficulty, moments where our world is shaking for one reason or another, can provide an opportunity for change and transformation. Uh, And I believe, and I hope I'm not overstating this, I believe that actually this week is an opportunity for the church. The church, capital C, not just Bridge Church. But the church, the church that represents thousands of people in this nation who would claim to follow Jesus Christ, sitting in lots of different churches and denominations today, that actually this provides an opportunity for the church in the midst of shaking, in the midst of change, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of challenge, worry, and anxiety, to actually say there is a response to a moment like this. And the response is, we want to lift up our eyes and see the Lord. Amen? Amen. That we're not, that our vision is not determined by what we see here, but our vision is determined by what we see there. That actually there is a God in heaven who is greater and bigger than the circumstances we are in. And this is an opportunity. We can either just treat it as another thing in society. Oh, well, it's just, it's just the queen passing on and now we've got a king. Oh, it's just a new prime minister and now we've got another one. Oh, it's just, actually, we, we could just view it like that or we can see See it that this is an opportunity for us to lean into the presence of God and look for something beyond this moment, bigger than this moment, and stronger than this moment. And here's what Isaiah says In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw something beyond this moment. And that's what I want to encourage you in. That is, followers of Jesus, we live on earth, but we're not governed by simply the principles of earth, but we have a kingdom that is bigger than the world we are living in. It is beyond the world we are living in and is governed by ideas that are beyond the world we live in. It impacts all of that, but we are not restricted by the things that we see around us. Isaiah saw the Lord. And if you look at Isaiah's prophecy, this changed his life. He changed the way he lived and behaved and even prophesied after seeing the Lord. Because how we see him, listen to me now, how we see the Lord determines everything. Come on, whoever's on the throne, whoever the prime minister is, Whatever the inflation figure is, whatever the interest rate is, whatever war is going on, come on now, 
How we see the Lord determines everything. If what we see is only who's on the throne or not on the throne, if what we see is who's prime minister or not prime minister, or what the inflation rate or the interest rate is, or who's fighting with it, if that's all we see, my goodness, we will live in constant anxiety and fear and worry, and we will find ourselves distressed beyond all comprehension. Come on. Now, we're not ignoring those realities. Of course we're not. We live in the real world. We're not, you know, yesterday I got excited driving. Um, I was ministering in Rotherham and I was driving home from Rotherham uh, to North Lincolnshire and I saw a petrol station advertising unleaded petrol for one fifty nine. I got so excited. One fifty nine. that's a bargain, right? Now, who knew that we would get excited over unleaded fuel at 159 a liter, right? And that's the world we're living in. Unbelievable changes have happened right before our eyes. And if all I see is 159 a liter, if all I see is Ukrainian war, if all I see is uncertainty in the government, if all I see is a cost of living emergency, then I am stuffed. I will live under the fear and anxiety of that. Here's here's Isaiah saying, Uzziah is dead. A great king is dead. And as a human, this could have caused him great anxiety. But in the moment when his human vision is locked in on an empty throne, his spiritual vision gets locked in on the God of heaven who sees something beyond the moment. He said, without ignoring it. I love the language, in the year the king Uzziah died. He's not ignoring the fact that Uzziah is dead. He's not ignoring the difficulty of the moment. But he is superimposing onto his moment a greater vision. Come on here with me. And as the Christian community, we've got something that the world without the Lord doesn't have. We've got a vision that is bigger than the throne. A vision that is bigger than 10 Downing Street. A vision that is bigger than the economy. A vision that is bigger than the wars and rumors of wars and pandemics that are ravaging our earth. We've got something bigger than that. Amen? And though we are in this world, we are not of it. Got to pay our bills like everybody else. Got to do what everybody else has to do. Of course we do. But we're not of this world. We're not governed by the philosophy of this world. We're governed by a philosophy of a different world. Which helps us then to live in this world. Doesn't it? Amen? Maybe. So what did Isaiah see? What Isaiah saw is summed up brilliantly for us in the words of these These mysterious seraphim. Don't ask me to explain what they are. The Hebrew for this is very, very difficult. It's a sort of a flying dragon, if you really want to, almost a flying serpent. I have no idea what that is. So please don't come to me afterwards and ask me to explain that. I'm just going, that's amazing. That's mysterious. And my brain can't compute that. And you've got these amazing creatures, these flying serpent type creatures with six wings. And these creatures flying around the presence of God are proclaiming these amazing words. Verse three, holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, I want you to see that, that this is the sort of summary of what Isaiah sees. And what Isaiah sees, I think, can help us in the 21st century as well. Because when we look at that statement, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There are two dynamic ideas about God, which if we can grab them, they're difficult ideas. They're not easy things. But if we can grab these ideas, they are potentially transformational for the way that we live in the everyday moment of the 21st century. So what are these ideas? How did Isaiah see the Lord? What did he see? Well, the first thing he saw was this. He saw a transcendent Lord. He saw a transcendent Lord. John, what does transcendent mean? What, what does that mean in this particular context? The idea of transcendence is to exist Outside of the normal, natural laws and limitations of our world. Are you with me? Let me say that again. The transcendence is living outside of, apart from, the normal, natural laws and limitations of our universe. So the things that normally restrict and hold us they're not restricting and holding God. So a simple example of a physical transcendence of the Lord is we are governed by gravity. All right? But yet the Lord is transcendent over that idea. He can operate in spite of gravity. And he's able to do stuff. So the idea of transcendence is you've got someone who is not restricted by the normal natural laws or limitations of the world in which we live. He is above them. He is beyond them. He is greater than them. He can, can I even say, manipulate them and work in them and work through them. Now, this is a massive idea in the Bible, the transcendence of God. It's not a word we use very much, but it's a gorgeous word, and it's a word we should learn. Because when we talk about the Lord, we're not just talking about a human plus. Come on. We're not just talking about a souped up human. When we talk about the Lord, we are talking about someone who is other. So far other that our brains can't even compute a fraction of who he is. And what he graciously does through the Bible is try to give us images and pictures and words that our brain can try and get a hold of. But we're grappling with an idea that we're dealing with a God, we're dealing with the Lord who is above, beyond, other the circumstances that we are in. And everything that governs you, everything that limits me, everything that hems us in, none of that hems or governs him because he is other. He is the transcendent Lord. Are you with me? It's a great word to learn. It's a great word to introduce into our worship. He's not just human plus. He's not just a cool idea. He is other. He is other. Here there is no one like him. And you can see this through three dynamic references in the passage. Verse 1, the Lord is described in this way. Here's what Isaiah saw. He sees him seated on the throne 
high and exalted. All right? Now, that's in contrast to the empty throne of Uzziah. So, so Uzziah's throne is empty, but in contrast to that, what does he see? He sees God on a throne, but he sees him high and exalted. That language is deliberate. God is high and exalted in this moment. Verse 3, we see a second reference to his transcendence. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. That's a loaded, that's, we might say, a dense term. This is massive statement. It's huge. It's filled with meaning and dynamic power because it's saying something about the Lord. And then there's a third reference, verse 5. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So let me remind you of the references. Verse 1, he's seated on a throne, high and exalted. Verse 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And verse 5, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Are you with me? Why does that speak to the transcendence of God, the otherness of God? Well, because it teaches us three amazing principles about God. And these are important for us in the 21st century as we're facing our uncertainty. First of all, we see the Lord as above. He's high and lifted up. He's not under the circumstances. He's above them. Come on. He's above them. He's beyond them. In his position, Isaiah is seeing something now. In his position, he has no equal. There's no one on the same level as the Lord. Uzziah is dead, but the Lord is not. Come on now. This is where we live. Queens and kings come and go, but the Lord remains above. Come on now. Prime ministers change, but the Lord remains above. Our destiny is not set by who's on the throne. Our destiny is set by who's above the throne. Come on. We got to lean into this. We got to dig into this. And I hear as much fear and anxiety coming from Christians as I'm hearing coming from non-Christians. And listen, the reason that fear and anxiety comes is because all we can see is what's under the throne. But we've got to learn to see what's above the throne. That he's high and lifted up. That actually he is above the circumstances we are in. Does that make sense to you? Second thing he saw, he saw the Lord, not just above, but in verse 3, he saw the Lord apart. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. In his person, there is no one like him. In his character, his conduct, his ability to keep going. However great Uzziah was, the Lord is greater. However amazing Uzziah was, the Lord is more amazing. However good Uzziah was, the Lord is more gracious and kind and loving and good. And and many wonderful things are being said about our queen, and rightly so. But this is also a moment where we need to be filling our mouth with a narrative of how 
other and amazing and set apart our God is. He is like no other. Lift him up and bless his name. Exalt his name in the midst of the empty throne, in the midst of the uncertainty. He is holy. He is set apart. There is no one like him. No one. And holy here doesn't just mean morally pure. Of course that's in there. But holy there means set apart, completely other to anything that's in our world. When we catch a glimpse that he is like no other, this helps us in our 21st century world. Here's the third idea, verse 5. He saw the Lord as not only above and apart, but he saw the Lord as almighty. Twice, did you hear it? Twice in the passage. The Lord almighty. It's one of the strongest phrases we can have of the Lord. Not only is he the Lord this, this great God of the universe, but he is a Lord who is almighty. In his power, he has no rivalry. Well, so what? Well, think about that. The throne is empty. Uzziah is gone. Uncertainty now pervades. And how does Isaiah see the Lord? Above that throne. Apart from that throne. And with undiminished ability to govern and lead his people and take care of us, regardless of who is on that throne. That's an amazing idea. And if we are going to be hope bringers to our world, we're going to be people who can not only endure the current uncertainties, but, but move through them, be victorious in them. It will be because of how we see him. It won't be down just to our personality ability or, or how much money we have in the bank. All of those things are important, of course. It will be because of how we see him, because how we see him determines everything. Determines everything. And I want to ask you the question this morning, how do you see him? Do you see him high and lifted up this morning? High and lifted up over the Ukraine war? High and lifted up over the cost of living emergency? High and lifted up over rising fuel bills? High and lifted up over political instability and uncertainty? High and lifted up over rising inflation? High and lifted up over threatening interest rates going up? Good for savers, bad for borrowers? Is he still high and lifted up? See, it's easy to see him high and lifted up when everything's rocking, when everything's wonderful, when the throne is filled with a good king, and we're prospering and we're blessed. That's how life was before Uzziah died. Jerusalem was zinging. People were making money. Life was good. And then suddenly, suddenly, it's all under threat. And as someone once said, this is not in the Bible, but it probably could be, the threat of execution does concentrate the mind. Crisis concentrates our mind. And your mind will either be concentrated on the crisis or it will be concentrated on the one who is above the crisis. 
Come on. Come on. Come on now. What do you see? Lord, will you open our eyes to see the Lord who is above? Because we need to see that. Some of us in this room need to see that. Lord, I need to see you above this. Because I'm afraid. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I have no idea what next week's going to look like. Never mind what next year's going to look like. Well, there is a God who's above. Come on. Come on. There is a God who is apart. There's no one like him. He's not just human plus. He's not just superhuman. He is the one true and living God who was and is and is to come. And he's got you in the palm of his hand. Come on. And he's almighty. I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. That's not just a quaint little promise in the Bible. That's for 21st century living. And, and that provision comes from the hand of an almighty God. Come on, are you with me? I don't wish to be in any way frivolous. But I was, I was driving in a car to some ministry I was, I was going in. And on the radio, if I heard the phrase cost of living emergency once. It probably was repeated 12 to maybe 20 times. And I suddenly realized that as I'm listening to the BBC News Cycle, I am listening to a narrative of complete fear. This is fear. This is about terrorizing anyone who's listening. Now, I'm sure the person saying it, the politician saying it, didn't mean it. But our words are powerful. The narratives we create. And the minute you use crisis and emergency, it creates a narrative. And I felt, now please, please forgive me. I'm not wishing to minimize anyone's challenge. We're all in the same boat here. So let me just say it. And you know who I am by now. And you know my heart. And you know what, what I'm committed to. But I heard the Holy Spirit say to me in the car, there is no cost of living emergency in the kingdom of heaven. Never has been, never will be. Come on now. And ladies and gentlemen, we're not just responding to the, to the emergencies around us with, with our ability. We can respond to the emergencies around us with a vision of the Lord. That's what's going to hold us on Monday morning. When the lights have gone out, we've all gone home. How's it going to hold us when, when the pressure is on? It's seeing him. Come on, are you with me? All right. That's the first thing he saw. He saw a transcendent Lord. Here's the second thing he saw. He saw an imminent Lord. Now, if transcendence means other outside of, imminence means inside or close. In fact, the idea of transcendence, other or outside, and immanence is really strong idea in the scriptures. We can see these ideas in creation. We can see these ideas in the covenant, the agreement that God makes with Israel. We see the, these ideas in the incarnation. We'll come back to that in a moment. We see these ideas in the church, that you have this God who is other, yet he is near. Come on. He is other. There is no one like him. He is a 
above all. He is apart from all. He is almighty. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And if he wanted to, he could live away up there as far from us as he wanted to live. But this apart God, this above God, this almighty God draws near to us. He comes into our world. He wants to come into the everyday, ordinary, routine, normal stuff of our world. He's not ignoring the throne of Uzziah. He's not ignoring the crisis in Jerusalem. He's not ignoring the fear and anxiety of his son, Isaiah. He's interested in all of that. And we can, just as we saw transcendence in three statements, we see his immanence in three statements. Verse one, it says this, that the train of his robe filled the temple. So not only is he seated on the throne and high and lifted up, but the high and lifted up one now fills the physical building of the temple. He comes down to the temple. He comes and fills it so that Isaiah can feel it and see it and understand it, at least at some level. Understand what's going on. Verse 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Transcendence, far away, above God. But look what it says. The whole earth is full of his glory. He's not just up there and apart from the world, but he wants to come down and fill the world with his glory. And then look at the third statement, verse 8. God asks the question. This is the first time God speaks. So up to this point, we've got this mysterious seraphim speaking. We've got Isaiah speaking. Now God speaks. And in verse 8, God speaks and he says this, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? This, this leans into the idea that God is interested in the plight of Jerusalem. He's interested in what's going on in Judea. He's interested in the Babylonians. He's interested in the big picture politics that are happening in his world. He's interested. Why? Because he's saying to Isaiah, we need someone to go for us and represent us in this context. Who will go? And when we look at those three ideas, they come together beautifully. That even though God is above, he's transcendent. We see him coming down to the temple. That even though he is a part, he is holy, we see him filling the earth with his glory. That even though he is almighty and can do everything on his own, yet he invites Isaiah in to a partnership with him. This is an amazing, mind-numbing brain-melting idea that the Lord we've been singing about this morning is so far above, so far apart and so almighty that there's nothing in my brain or your brain can work that out. We get some help. The Bible gives us some pictures. It gives us some words. We get a bit of a glimpse, but my brain can't. That's way above my pay grade. My brain can't work that out. But what my brain can work out is that even though this God is above and he's apart and he's almighty, he has come down to me. He has come down to our world. We sang about it today. He chases after me. Many of you literally have been chased after 
by the presence of the Lord and you've been saved. You're alive today because the God who is above, the God who is apart and the God who is almighty came down to you. Came to you right where you were. And he entered into the ordinariness, the routineness, the pain, the darkness, the disappointment of your world, of my world, in order to transform that world and lift us up. Come on. Has that happened to anybody here? Has it? Can can I just say, we get get so used to that idea. But it's a mind-numbing idea. That God comes to us even though he is apart and he's above and he's beyond. Isaiah saw a God who in every way lives outside his world. But that day he saw a God who filled the temple. A God who came to the earth. A God who spoke to him. And Isaiah didn't die. Here's the amazing thing. Cookie said at the beginning of the service, he met the queen. I've never met her. Maybe one day in eternity, I will meet her. But I never met the queen on earth. I never had the privilege of going to a lovely garden party and shaking her hand and curtsying or whatever I would have needed to do when I met the queen. I've never met her. But here's the unbelievable thing. I have met the king. me look at me I'm nobody I'm nothing in the in the eyes of the world I don't even register on the Richter scale of value or importance when I die a handful of people will mourn me and the world will keep spinning and move on and I have met the king I have being saved by the king. My life has been enriched by the king. He came into my ordinary, broken little world as an eight-year-old boy. He stepped into that room. He stepped into that child's heart. He stepped into that prayer of faith. And the king of glory entered my world. Entered my world. It's amazing. Mind-blowing. And if he went to all that trouble to enter my world, why would he abandon me now? Why is he not no longer, why is he no longer interested in my world now? If he was interested when I was eight years old, if he was interested when I, when I didn't even think he existed, why would he not be interested now? And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, he is intimately interested in our world. He enters into Isaiah's world. And he says, even though I'm above and I'm beyond and I'm apart, I want to draw near into the anxiety and fear of your world and bring a glimpse of glory. Does that make sense? We see this in Jesus. John's gospel begins with these incredible words. Words of transcendence. Listen to these words. The word in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God through him all things have been made and nothing has been made 
without him. What an incredible, incredible idea. Who's that word? That word is what we would call Jesus. But at at that moment, the word is the son of God. He's the, the above son of God. He's the apart son of God. He's the almighty creating son of God. He's the word in Genesis 1 spoken out of the mouth of heaven that creates the universe in just a few days. He is the self-existent, all-powerful, eternal word, the son of God. When we read word, we're reading the transcendent, magnificent, awesome son of God. But John doesn't leave it there. John says, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only, sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. The gospel itself is a story of the transcendence of God. The word was in the beginning with God. The word created the universe. The word is a part. The word is above. The word is almighty. The son of God, the word, sits apart from all others. And yet that word became human. Took on a face had hands and legs, lived among us, literally tented himself among us so that we would know that the above God, the apart God, the almighty God is here with us. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not alone. And when Uzziah died that day, Isaiah saw the empty throne and a moment of crisis. But by the end of this experience, Isaiah's vision was no longer determined by the vision of an empty throne, but by the vision of the God who filled that throne. And not only filled that throne, but wanted to fill Isaiah's world. That's our hope. Whoever the prime minister is, And I've watched Facebook this week. A lot of debate on Facebook whether we like her or we don't like her. It's irrelevant. Come on. Come on. Because we we serve a God who is above it. Whether we like the Prime Minister, whether we like Charles or not, whether we want it, there's a level at which actually they are not the governing factors for our hope and future. They're important. Of course they are. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I didn't wake up on Thursday morning thinking, my goodness, new prime minister, what are we going to do? New monarch, what are we going to do? I woke up with the realization the king is still the king. The Lord is still the Lord. The one who was is still was. The one who is is still is. And the one who's going to be is still going to be. He has the world in the palm of his hand. He has my name inscribed on the palm of his hand. And he is relentlessly committed, relentlessly committed to his purposes. Not just the purpose of saving the world, but the purpose of helping us, his children. That's how we respond to the empty throne. 
And how you see the Lord will determine everything. I'm going to ask the band to join me. We're going to finish with a great song. We started with the queen. We're finishing with the king. We're going to sing about the king. How great is our God? And as we sing these words, I want you to sing these words over, over the empty throne of your world. Over the circumstances you are in, over the situations you are facing, over the uncertainty of our society, over the uncertainty of our world, sing, how great is our God? Because he is great. Well, it doesn't feel like he's great, John. He is great. Well, it doesn't look like he's great. He is great. He is great. He is the one true and living God. And I want you to stand with me as I read one final bit of the Bible. And then the band is going to lead us in this great song. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. <laughs> do not weep. Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, look at it, see. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw not a lion, but I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one with a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased, you, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, every language, every people and every nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 they encircled the throne the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying worthy is the lamb who was slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worship. Listen, as we're about to sing, their new song was determined by a new vision. How we see the Lord determines everything. And if we see him high and lifted up, if we see him as John saw him, if we can see him as Isaiah saw him, the God who is above, the God who is apart, the God who is almighty, yet the God who enters our world and enters our space and enters our hearts and enters our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever sits on the throne, Come on, whoever sits on the throne, whatever the circumstances are, we will rise in victory. And our world needs to hear a people who have seen the Lord. Our world needs to hear a song from a people who have seen the Lord. Not just see what they see, not just hear what they hear, but a people who have seen the Lord the Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today that we will see the Lord. Will you open our eyes to see you, the God who is above, the God who is apart, the God who is almighty. Lord, will you open our eyes to see not only the magnificent transcendence of your glory, but Lord, the fact that you draw near to us. You love us. You're interested in us. You're interested in the minutia and the details of our lives. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every one of us today, as we sing, will have a fresh vision of the God who is above, of the God who sits on the throne, and of a God who is intimately interested in his people. In Jesus' name, amen.